So hallelujah. Well, praise God. I'm going to get a little excited here for just a moment because my head's about to explode in this world that we're living in. But, you know, we are really living in a world that's upside down. I mean, the world, the world is upside down. And, you know, occasionally I have to kind of slap myself and just ask myself, where am I? And I really feel like I'm living in a twilight zone. Really. Like, like this is not reality. This cannot really be, you know, where this is not the America I know and this is not... This, this, this cannot be real. And to make matters worse, the whole of society is going so mad that I begin to question, am I the one that's got it all backwards? <laughs> in other words, everybody seems to be in such unison with everything. I look at myself and I'm like, maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one that's got it all wrong. But I'm here to tell you, as, as believers and as Christians, you don't have it wrong. You have it right. I'm just going to read a couple of articles here. This one most of you may have already heard about. Um, this happened in January 6th when a new Congress was set in in January of this year. And, um, but I just wanted to read this just as a reminder. Maybe some of you have may, have, may have not have heard about this. But it says, the U.S. House of Representatives has approved gender-neutral language in the official House rules and established a permanent office of diversity and inclusion. Now, the House of U.S. Representatives is led by the Democrats, just to, just to make that point clear. These measures were part of a rules package adopted Monday. This was back in January. The House approved a set of rules at the beginning of each uh, session of Congress, and this week marks the start of the 117th Congress. The changes mean that the rules document will use language such as parent, child, and sibling instead of mother, father, son, daughter, brother, and sister. It will also replace chairman with chair Seamen with seafarers, whatever that is, and himself and herself with themselves. We made this change for the sake of inclusion, not exclusion. But we don't want to include Christians. In other words, we're not, we don't want to exclude anybody except Christians. That's not in there, but that's what I said. Said the House Rules Committee Chairman Jim McGovern, according to The Hill, McGovern is a Democrat from Massachusetts, Democrats holding the majority. The rules package, this is, this is really stunning to me. The rules package was approved 217 to 206 along party lines. Now, you mean to tell me that one Democrat was willing to break from, from their party and stand up against that? That every one of them was in lockstep? I don't, I don't believe that. But this is an article I came across. I was driving to visit my parents this past week in Hattiesburg and just happened to, you know, when you get out of, you get out of town, you listen to the radio, you've got to kind of hit seek or search on your radio thing to kind of find a, a radio station that'll, you know, get, get a good signal or whatever. And I happened to come across one that was a Christian radio where they were doing like a talk show and these guys were just kind of discussing current events and different things that was happening. They, they touched on something that they had heard from a professor. So when I got home, I Googled this just to see what it was that they were talking about. <clears throat> and this is the article that they were talking about. It says a California, this is recently as far as I know, it says a California professor has issued a groveling apology to his students for telling them that only women can get pregnant. <laughs> now I'm going to say this again, that this is not a joke. And I just want to say this as I read this in an article I just read from the, from the United States Congress. I'm not in a position here, I'm not judging anyone, I'm not condemning anyone, that's not our position. I'm just, I'm just simply making the point of where we are today in our society and how tragic and how sad it really is that, that what we've gotten. But I'm going to read that again. 
A California professor has issued a... Now, if you know the word groveling, I didn't know what that meant. So I looked it up. The word grovel is to creep about with the, with, um, with the face to the ground or to crawl. So this, so let me read this with, with that understanding. A California professor has issued a groveling apology. Because we got on his face and crawled on the ground to his students for telling them that only women can get pregnant. The professor on an endocrinology course used the term pregnant women during his lecture, but then quickly backtracked and apologized. In a recording of the lecture, he can be heard saying, I am very sorry for that. I was, it, it was clearly not my intention to offend anyone. The worst thing that, that I can do as a human being is be offensive. I, I, think the worst thing you, I think the worst thing you can do as a human is kill someone else. That last time I checked. I said when a woman is pregnant, which implies that only women can get pregnant, and I most sincerely apologize to all of you, he said. The recording was shared by journalist Katie Hesog, who received the form who received them from a medical student attending the lecture. The student has admitted that some of her classmates consider it transphobic if someone acknowledges biological sex. In her piece, Hesrog wrote that when sex is acknowledged by her, the students, instructors, it's sometimes, it's sometimes portrayed as a social construct, not a biological reality. The medical student revealed that she and her fellow trainee medics had access to an online forum where students can correct their professors for using generic specific terms such as male, female, or breastfed instead of gender neutral terms like chest fed. The online form allows students to lodge their complaints in real, time or in real time during lectures. The student recalled how one time a professor started crying because she was upset by students calling her out for male and female. She told Hezrock that other students had circulated petitions at the start of a school year to name and shame professors for engaging in wrong speak. Wrong speak, according to the petitions, includes use of the pronouns she and her or the terms father and son. The student who spoke about another professor who became the subject of a petition for calling a transgender male a man changing into a woman, which upset some students because it implies that trans women wasn't always a woman. Now again, I'm not doing that to disparage or condemn or to judge or to criticize anyone. But that article would be funny if it wasn't true. But that article is true. And, that, and that, that's the place where we stand today. So let's, th this is where I stand on, article, on, on, on uh, current events and things in the world today. So let's see if I'm the one that has it all backwards. I believe marriage defined is the union of one man and one woman. That's what I believe. I believe murder is wrong of any human at any age for any reason. I believe dismembering a baby in its mother's womb to end a pregnancy is not abortion, it's murder. I believe the baby in the womb from their, concept from their conception had the same rights I have to life, liberty, and justice. I believe it's not difficult to distinguish which of the two genders you are at birth. I don't need a degree in biology to figure out what you are when you come out the womb. I believe it's wrong to tell four-year-old boys and girls 
they might not be boys or girls. I, I believe that's wrong. That's wrong. I believe it's wrong to decide at any time I choose to be whoever I choose to be. That's wrong. I believe it's okay to love the country you live in, including America. Furthermore, I believe it's okay to defend the values and principles that make America, America. I believe that's okay to be proud of the country you live in. The people in Russia are probably proud that they live in Russia. Some people in China might be proud they live in China. I'm proud I live in America. I believe there is only one God who loved me so much, he sent his only son to die that I might live. And I'm the one who's dangerous. If you believe those things, you're the one that's dangerous. This is the society that we live in today. But thankfully, God has given us a map to give us a way to navigate the world we live in. This map is called the Bible. Aren't you thankful for the Bible? Because what would you do? In other words, and I, I think about this all the time, and I think about parents. You know, as being a, being a father myself and raising children, I always think about a parent raising children, and I always ask myself, what is your go-to to teach and train your children if you don't have God? Or if you don't have the Bible, what, 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 are, you, what, are, you, what, are, what are you using? What, what reference are you going to? We have the Bible. The Bible is the roadmap. It's not too important of a book except that the author is God. The world would make it seem like it's not that important, but it is. But look, look what the Bible says in Isaiah. Listen to the wording of this. It says, what sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. They take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. That, the wording of that is so prevalent and so right on and specific for where we are today in our world. For those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies. That's the world we're living in today. And leave it to the Bible to get right to the point. And God, the Bible says, who says that evil is good and good is evil. They're taking everything and twisting and turning it upside down. So I'm here to say that, no, I'm not the one who's got it backwards. I've got the Lord as the captain of my ship. And I will not be persuaded by the deception and the schemes of the world. I know who I, whom I believe and who I trust in. He is, he is the Lord Almighty. His name is Jesus. And he is Lord. But the Bible explains to us what is at the root of the utter chaos recklessness and stupidity that is, that, that is all right, right out in sanity right before us. The Bible tells us that they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And that is the title of my message today, Trading Truth for a Lie. Trading Truth for a Lie. See, the Bible reassures the believer 
that we are living right side up. Because I don't have to live in confusion by what the world is doing. I can go to the Word of God. And the Word of God, like a skilled surgeon, specifically spells out in details what it is I'm experiencing in the world today. What, what the world is doing and where, I'm, where I am at as a Christian and as a believer in the Lord God Almighty. God's Word exposes the root of man's behavior and the remedy for our depravity. It's all found in the Word of God. Everything we want to know about is found in God's Word. It explains everything in the, in the Bible. But it, is the, but it is the only book that everyone is telling us not to read. Your life as a Christian will offend. You, you are going to offend people if you stand for Jesus Christ. I've said that before. You, you will be offensive. Your life will confuse other people. They will be confused by the way you live, by the way you speak, by the things you do, by the things you don't do. They will be, they will be confused. Your life, in some cases, will cause anger. Other people will become angry. They'll, 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 they'll take offense at the way you act or what you say or what you do. And the Christian life will leave you, for the most part, living in the minority. We're in the minority, but I'm in the majority because I'm on God's side. I'm on the side of God. I'm on the side of truth. So like no other document, the Bible gives us explicit detail of everything. Going beyond telling us what will come, it explains the why of what we are experiencing in this upside-down world we're living in. And I'm going to look at a passage today, and I want us to really carefully just listen to the words that are written here. And, I, and again, I believe like a surgeon, God, God surgically, just like the Bible says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, just like uh, Brother, Brother Troy read, cutting right to the marrow. The, 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 the Bible penetrates. The, why? Because it's the Word of God. The, the, Word of God. the Word of God goes direct to the heart and to the root, to the root of the matter. So as I read this passage, I want us to, to absorb and comprehend what it is that, that God has, has allowed us to see. And again, and I hope you do this, you need to treasure God's Word. Treasure the Bible. Be, be thankful. Not, you know, number one, be thankful you live in a nation and in a country that you have you have unended access to the Bible. It's not, you're not restricted in any way. We have all these translations and all these abilities to study and to understand and, and read the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. Thank Him for His Word. That, 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 that's my escape. So I, can, I, can, I, I, look, I look at the world I'm living in and then I turn, and I turn around and I go to God's Word and I say, God, now it makes sense. I, I, I'm grounded now. I understand what's happening so I believe that there's no better passage to explain where we're at right now in all of Scripture than the first chapter in the book of Romans. This chapter, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's, it's, it's a lot there, but I would encourage all of you, um, maybe when you get home this evening or during the week, to just go back and, and just really ponder Romans chapter 1 and let God begin to expose to you the things that are happening in our world and all around us today. But this is beginning in verse 18. It says, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. 
For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. Because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived. For seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans, idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and, left, and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God made rather than the, rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to him forever and ever. Amen. What a detailed description of what it is we're experiencing today in our world. I believe that passage should be posted on every prominent social media site. Now, some of the social media sites would take it down, but I would give it an opportunity to at least get out there and to be read by everybody in the world needs to read that scripture because I believe it explains exactly what it is we are experiencing in our world today. It, it explains the condition of our world today. But while this passage gives us a stern warning and the consequences associated with rejecting God, it also gives us, the believer, the courage, the, the encouragement to know that God is with us. He's not against us. That I truly am living on the right side. So yes, it is a warning, and it is a warning from God, but it also is, I believe, as a believer, it's a reinforcement and an encouragement to know that I'm on the right side. I'm not living this life upside down. They are. So let's break this passage down here and see what it is that Paul says here in Romans chapter 1. In verse 18 it says, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. The first thing I think we see here in this passage is the gospel rescues man from the wrath of God. The gospel rescues man from the wrath of God. That, that part in the beginning where it says God's holy anger, other translations read God's wrath. It is a holy God punishing sinful man. Paul, in this first chapter of Romans, reveals both the righteousness and the wrath of God. Paul is spelling out, I didn't read this verse before this, but Paul is giving to the Romans the, the beautiful picture of the, of the gospel of Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God that is found only in faith in Christ. So he's given the, he's given the two sides of the righteousness and then the, then the depravity and the sinful side of man. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, this is just prior to our passage. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Paul goes on into God. Paul, before Paul goes into God's wrath against sin and wickedness, he tells of the wonderful good news of the gospel, that faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, man is rescued from sin and can escape the wrath of God. That's the beautiful message of God. That's the picture of salvation. That, that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, in spite of our sin, in spite of our depravity, in spite of our wickedness, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, salvation does not remove the wrath of God. Salvation transfers, transfers the wrath of God. God's, God is a holy and just God. Sin must be punished. A, a holy God would not be just if he would not punish sin. That's why the cross is so amazing. That God took our punishment, the, our sin, and the Bible says God laid that on Jesus Christ. And he became our substitute. He became a sacrifice for us. Thank you, thank you Lord, that Jesus was willing to die as my sacrifice. He was our rescue. God, Jesus was our rescue. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. God transferred my punishment, my sin, onto Jesus, the Bible says. And the Bible says those of us who place our faith in Christ, we escape, we escape the wrath and the holy anger of God because of the cross of Calvary. Aren't you thankful? That, that, that's why when we come together, we should be jumping, we should be rejoicing, we should be shouting, we should be screaming, we should be beside ourselves, like not, not able to contain ourselves at what it is that God has done for us. I, I got to ask myself, if I come in and I'm not excited, God, what's holding me back? I should be, there should be joy in the house. There should be rejoicing in the house. We should be thankful of what God has done for us. Just as Troy said, the blood of Jesus, it, it, it has removed our sin. It, is, it has taken away our debt. It has cleansed me and washed me and healed me. And it continues and continues to heal us. We should be excited. If there's just two of us in the room, we should be excited. That's what God did. This is what God has done for us. So man will be punished and condemned for rejecting the great salvation of God. That God was willing to say, I can set aside all of the sin that you have ever done and will do. I'm willing to set that aside. And I'm willing to, to, to allow you to be forgiven. If you would just confess with your mouth that my son Jesus is Lord. And you're going to reject that? You're condemned. And so you should be. The Bible says, how can we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? What, what escape do you have? What is your rescue plan apart from God's salvation? See, ungodliness and evil are rampant today. People are living their lives just as what the Bible says about what seems right to them. Those everybody is basically their own God. This is what I think is right. See, that's what I'm saying. If you don't have, if, if you don't have the Bible as a grounded resource to navigate and guide you, in, in principles of living your life, what source are you going to to teach your children? What, what are you going to? What seems right? 
I think this is right. This is what everybody else is doing, so it must be right. It's got to be what God says. But notice the second half of verse 18. It says, For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. See, man is using his wickedness and ungodliness to suppress the truth about God. Some translations say, hold the truth in unrighteousness. It means to suppress or to repress or to stifle or to hinder. And I look at it like this. Sin becomes an excuse or an escape from the reality and truth of who God is. It provides an insulation or a cover to keep them from hearing the truth and gives them an excuse to live as they wish, not as God says. There was the, the Bible for the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. And I see, I see this firsthand in the world that I live in. And I, I came across a co-worker. This was, this was many years ago. It was one of the guys that worked at the office with me. And God had just kind of put on my heart to kind of just begin to share the gospel with him. And God gave me an opportunity just to, just to open up and just start sharing the, the word of God, just begin to read some scriptures and just share with him about who Jesus is. And he looked at me, and the, the, the only argument that he, he could come up with for not accepting the truth of what I was explaining to him was that the Bible was written by men. And he had convinced himself, because the Bible was written by men, how can it be trusted? And what he was doing is he was using it as an excuse to say, I don't want to live the way God wants me to live. And that, that's not a valid excuse. See, I believe many people reject the gospel not on its validity, Rather, their refusal to change the way they want to live. They refuse to humble themselves and repent. And that's really what the bottom line is. Most people, I believe, would have an understanding if you explain to them what the gospel is. But few people really want to get to the place of humility and brokenness before God and get down low before God and be willing to confess and admit, you know what? I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm the sinner. <laughs> I'm the one who made a mistake. And God's the one who was right. And you know what? I got to change. Most people don't want to change. That's just the bottom line. I didn't tell this guy that when it happened, but I could see it right in his eyes. He was looking for an escape. He was looking for an excuse. The Bible says they, they deliberately smother the truth and it keeps them from acknowledging the truth about God. And I really believe that the people, that, that they, they have an awareness or an understanding that there's a God but they have to suppress the truth. They have to push it away. They have to push it back. And most people choose sin. They, they, they go after sin and that that's almost becomes like an escape hatch or an escape route for them to just shut off God. And don't, I don't want to hear God. I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to hear who God is. And that is their way of just, just avoiding and, and, and denying who God is. This scripture is so prevalent today. But praise God that the Bible and men like Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us an explanation of why the ungodly behave the way they do. But the Bible says that we are not called to condemn them or to judge them. We are called to love them. And this is the part that makes this scripture so, so difficult. Is because I know as a Christian, I have to love the ungodly. I have to love the wicked. I have to love them. And, and, and those people we read about in the Congress that's, that's in office now in the administration, in my flesh, I want to hate. I want to have rage. I want to have anger. But the Bible says we are called to love them. 
So we're not judging them, we're not condemning them, but we're exposing the truth of where they stand. And we're reaffirming the truth of where I stand, that I've got it right, that I've accepted the truth about who God is. I'm not, I'm not smothering the truth, I'm not hiding the truth, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to accept and acknowledge who God is. Then verses 19 and 20, it says, In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside of every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance, because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as His eternal power and transcendence. He has made His wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without an excuse. The next thing I believe you see here in this passage is God gives everyone the capacity to know him. God gives everybody the capacity to know him. I want you to ponder this for just a moment. Think of the most wicked person you know. It might be somebody in your family. It might be a coworker. It might be a politician. It might just be somebody that you can think of that they are the most vile, wicked person that you can think of. The Bible says even that person, even them, even, even they have the capacity to know God, that they have the ability to know God. Even that professor in California, as backwards and, and confused as he is, the Bible says he has the capacity to know God. That's a profound thought when you think about that. That is, that, is, that is truly deep and astounding when I think about that. That God gives all of, us, all of us the capacity to know Him. So how is this possible? Well, you and I as believers, we are no different than the worst of sinners. I can't look at myself because I'm a Christian and think that somehow God put, places some kind of priority over me and not them. I'm the same. I, I, I am equal to them. That God's not a respecter of persons. We are equal in God's eyes. We, we, we are just the same. The only thing that makes me different is Christ. It's Christ in me. The Bible says that we are all sinners at birth. We are born, the Bible says, under Adam, into the sin nature. All born under, under Adam in the sin nature, the Bible says. So I can't look at myself and think, well, you know, I must like, God must have really saw something special or unique in me, and that's why, no, I'm the same as them, except I was willing to humble myself and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and be saved. But other than that, I'm no different than the worst, than the worst sinner. But we all have the capacity to know God. So how is this possible? Well, I, be, I believe it, be, it begins, the understanding of this begins with our creation. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image, according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish and the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image and likeness of God he created him, male and female, he created them. The Bible says that we are created in the image of God. All of us are created in the image of God. Now, now, now because of Adam, we fell. But, but before Adam, the Bible says man was created in God's image. The birds weren't created in his image. The animals are not 
No, we are created in the image of God. And I believe that is the beginning of understanding that all of us, every one of us have the capacity to know God, to really know the true, the true God, the true creator. But according to this passage in Romans, the first thing that we understand is God can be known. That's a huge deal for me, that God has made it in such a way that we can know him, that God wants us to know him, that he's not like, like Troy said so beautifully, that God's not, he doesn't want to play hide and seek with us. He's out in the open. He wants us to find him and love him and come to him. And the Bible says he didn't, he didn't just give us his word. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us and be with us and his Holy Spirit to be in us to show us exactly who the Father is. That's God. So God can be known. But Paul gives two reasons in this passage why we are without excuse for knowing God. The first one is the truth of God is known instinctively. It says, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Now get this, think about this for a moment. When you think of the sinner and you think of wickedness and men and women out there that are, that are living their lives in an ungodly way and apart from God, think, think of this when you think of that person in your mind. That person, the Bible says, has an instinct given by God to know that there is a God, to understand and recognize that there, that there, that there is a God. They're born with that instinctively. God has embedded that within them upon their hearts. They have the ability or the capacity to know God. So think about what place they have to get to, to reject what it is they already know in their heart, to get to the place to think and live and do the things that they do. That, that, that takes an extraordinary amount of energy to, to escape what it is you instinctively know about God and live apart from who God really is. The Bible says all of us have an instinct to know who God is, an inner sense or an innate awareness that God does exist. That, that, is, that is placed inside of every human heart, the Bible says. But it says they are suppressing the truth by their sin. But this gives me great hope. This gives me hope that even the vilest of sinner can know God. That even the person that is so wicked and so far from God, even that person can come to Christ, can be born again, can be saved. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing here, and this is the one that I found the, 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 most, the most important and eye-opening, opposition to the truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. So creation is the second reason we are without excuse. In other words, think of what a human being has got to do to look at the things that God has created and come to a place and not acknowledge that there was a God that did that. Think about how far you have to get to get there. And that, that is what we're seeing on display. And I'm going to talk about this in my second part of this, pas this passage next week. But that, that's what we are seeing on display, that people are trading the truth. They're exchanging the truth of who God is for a lie. And because they are willing to accept the lie, this is the manifestation of what we see on, on, on display. The craziness and foolishness right before us. They are, they are denying God. And the Bible says that, that his invisible qualities are right before us in creation. Think of the human body. Think of how we are made, how we breathe, the, the, the intricate parts of the body. And someone that we can study the, the human makeup of a body and not recognize and acknowledge that there was a God who made us. 
That's impossible. You can't do that. And then look at creation and the, 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 way, the, the, the earth that we live on and the galaxies and the moon and the stars and the sun, all the things that have to take place for life to exist on this planet in perfect perfection and yet deny that there's a God. The Bible says they are without excuse. They have, they, they have no excuse. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They, they do abominable deeds. There is, no one who does, there is no one who does good. How true a statement. Only a fool would say there's no God. <laughs> Only someone who was that foolish would, would deny that there, that there is a God. So we look at ourselves today, and I read this couple of stories in the beginning of the passage, and we look at ourselves and we scratch our head and we think, you know, maybe I'm the one who's got it all wrong. Then maybe I'm the one that's living my life backwards and they are living their life right. But when I come to the Bible, they say, no, 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 I'm not the one who's got it all wrong. I got it all right. <laughs> I got it all right. That I, I, I have an instinct and I'm willing to humble myself and acknowledge that there's a God. That, that, that embedded instinct that's in me, I'm willing to confess that, yes, there is a God. And then I can look at creation. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physicist. I'm not, I don't have any degrees in any of those things. But I can look at creation, and I can know that someone much greater than me made all those things. He's the Lord. He is God. So we may, we may not be great in number, but we are great in truth. So be encouraged by the scripture. This scripture in Romans chapter 1, it reaffirms to me as a believer that I've got it right, that I'm believing, I'm living the truth of what the word of God says. When we gather, we confess that God is Lord. See, we are not the fools. We are the ones who have it right. So when we come together, this is why, why gathering is so important. And look, look at the world and everything that has happened. They're coming against everything that God has instituted in the Bible. From his creation to the church. They are coming against what God has instituted for us. God wants the church to gather. Why? So we can encourage one another. So we can build one another up. So we can fan the flames and, to, and, and spun each other on to good works and good deeds. This is not the time to isolate See, that's what, this, that's what this thing is all about, isolation. They want you to isolate and, and shut up and be quiet and stay home and do all those things. No, the church is not called to isolate. We're called to gather. We're called to encourage one another. So don't, don't be pulled by the schemes of the world. Don't, don't be uh, tricked into the, into the ways of the world. You got it right. You are living your life right side up. They're living upside down. We've got the truth. We've got the word of God. It's not going to feel right. It's not going to look right. It's not going to smell right. But it is right. It's the truth. The Bible says the truth will set you free.